Hey guys, Chris here and welcome to Rise of Humanity. For today's episode, I'm very glad to be joined by my guest, Brandy Christman. Brandy is a very passionate and dedicated spiritual worker and evidential medium who through her work brings together the departed with the living and has been doing so since 2008. Brandy also helps women to improve their lives and the lives of their families by helping them to connect to and incorporate their spiritual gifts into daily living. Brandy is thoroughly committed to her spiritual development and impact. So it's wonderful to have you on the show today, Brandy. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Awesome. So I'd like to, uh, I'd love to just uh, start by just delving into your current mission and the work you are doing today. It seems kind of multifaceted in that you have the the mediumship aspect and practice and then and that side of it and then you're also helping women spiritually with their families as well does this all roll into one and what does it what does it look like for you yeah i mean it is multifaceted for sure um so the mediumship aspect um i find that most of my my students are actually women um and they are women that uh, have kind of stuffed who they are down, stuff their spiritual gifts down. Um, And during my 20s, everything was very, very um, focused towards the development of mediumship and the development of myself within mediumship and then teaching that. And I have found that as I have entered my 30s, it's about, um, you know, holding on to the mediumship because that's my gift, I believe, Um, but also teaching women to embrace their spiritual gifts, no matter what they are, um, whether it's being an intuitive um, or a medium or something else, just being able to uh, teach them how to tap into that confidence and how to tap into that intuition, which we all have to help mm-hmm. be the leader of their families. I think it's important. Yeah, that's awesome. So are you actually, do you provide training then to help people unlock um, unlock those gifts and then start to incorporate them? I do. Yeah, I do. I teach us uh, what we call a mediumship circle once a week. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of meditation and, and self-reflection and journaling and that sort of thing. But as a mom, you sometimes, or even as a parent, sometimes you just don't have time to do unless you have, you go somewhere else to do it, you know? So yeah. Oh, so is, is that an, kind of like an in-person weekly event then? It is, yeah, nice. locally. And I, I, you know, I teach online as well. Awesome. Uh, cool. So how could you talk about um, your spiritual gifts then and how, how they manifest for you? Right. Um, they first started manifesting when I was about 14. I would dream about people around me that passed. Uh, And being 14 and an adolescent, uh, developing it was not a priority for me. Um, And uh, it wasn't until I was 19 and I had lost a family friend that I hadn't seen in a number of years. Um, He he suddenly passed away. And I dreamt about him uh, about two weeks after he had passed away. And uh, that set me on fire, basically. I think I was picking up every book that had to do with mediumship or psychism that I could find. Uh, and I was a young mother. So, uh, you know, at the age of 21, I had my first child. Uh, and then after I had her, I went to my first intuitive workshop and, 
I, at the time, couldn't get enough. You know, it was one of those things where I wanted to understand what I was going through so I could turn it off. Uh, it wasn't necessarily something I wanted to develop um, or use. And that started to change as I started to understand the impact that it could have, not only on my life, but, you know, the lives of my clients. And um, that led me to numerous workshops and circles in other states because at the, at the time, Oklahoma wasn't, wasn't uh, you know, on the upfront of anything that had to do with, <laughs> with mediumship. <Yeah>. But <laughs> uh, then that, that eventually brought me to Stansted uh, there in England uh, for years. I would, I would travel back and forth yeah. to develop with the spiritualist communities there. So... Awesome. Yeah. And you mentioned there about how you didn't want to develop them. And, and you also mentioned that the work you do with women to help them, you know, unlock these gifts that they've squashed down. I mean, what I've heard that a few times that people kind of resist, resist because they're getting knowledge that makes them kind of uncomfortable and they see things and they wish they could have stopped it or something. It seems like it, it kind of can be a common, common pattern initially to try and squash squash it down is that something you've seen right absolutely and i think locally i think that is because it's easier not to develop anything outside of the norm and i'm, I'm sure that it's like that to an extent everywhere mm-hmm. uh, but it does make you stand out a bit and you either have to tame the ego to say um this is a part of me or this is you know this owns me and what I want to teach people to do is say it's a part of me. And, you know, it can coexist with my belief system and, and where I'm at. Um, yeah. 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 And I mean, it is a huge gift. I suppose you just have to see it in the right way. But how, how did it kind of transform? I mean, obviously, it's opened up whole new opportunities and being able to help other people. But how did it kind of transform your personal life, being able to, being able to kind of channel these spiritual gifts? It's definitely uh, put me out in the public more than I thought I'd ever be, <laughs> um, uh, which, is, which is okay. You, you learn to kind of go with the flow, but it has made me more aware as an individual. Um, you know, obviously, as my mediumship development grows uh, and expands, as does my, my personal development. Mm-hmm. And um, it, has, it has changed me in a lot of ways, but I think mostly just realizing that uh, love is pretty much the foundation of everything we do. And uh, we have to, we have to come from that place. We have to rise up and breathe through it and remember that we are beings of love. Yeah. Yeah, That's awesome. And I think that's such a sort of cool aspect of, you know, developing your intuition. Cause I think when people first hear about it and they think of some kind of like, a really crazy technical weird thing that you have to be like ultra skilled to do but it's actually incredibly natural to humans and it's really you know a, a part of just raising your your own vibration and Absolutely. level of consciousness really isn't it it's just it, it's yeah, yeah it's, it just comes from love for sure yeah for sure yeah awesome so could you um in you have uh, obviously you have this mediumship practice. Could you just explain the? Because um, you use the term evidential medium. Could you just explain what that means? Right. So um, what that means is we we as the medium or myself as the medium 
uh, energetically blends with your loved one in a way that um, you can start to take on um, their persona. So you begin to feel their persona or the way that they passed. Um, and eventually that opens up to an entire story of someone's life, um, which is then the evidence of um, what we bring through. So, you know, if you're your father was a very good golf player, you know, he's probably going to talk to me about his golf stories and the jokes around that, um, mm -hmm. that you would know about. And that would be considered evidence as opposed to just saying, you know, yeah, yeah, your nan is here with you and she, and she loves you. Okay. And, and trust me. we have to build this foundation of trust, um, between spirit, between, uh, the sitter and the medium, you know, this three way communication is built on trust and I can't do that without evidence. Yeah. So. And I imagine that completely takes the, the whole, um, whole client experience to, to a whole new level, really. It does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So do you provide then like private sessions to people, you know, just come to you and say, I want to connect with someone, you know, that's gone. How does it, how does it look? Right. So um, typically someone would contact me uh, via my website and I would get their name and their contact information and set them, set them up for a day that works for them. And then uh, you would come in and uh, I would explain to you how I work, which is, you know, I'm going to close my eyes for the first few moments. That's just to connect. And once I open up my eyes, it will move quickly and just answer with yes, no, or I don't know. And then, um, uh, I don't typically like to know who, who you want to connect with. I, I kind of like spirit to do their own thing. And I would say nine times out of 10, the person that you've come to communicate with is, is the first person or the second person uh, through the spiritual door. Um, so, yeah. uh, and we just have a conversation really. It's um, a conversation about their life and their connection to the sitter and what they want to say regarding that connection. And is it a lot about, I mean, the reason that people seek you out, is it, is it a, kind of a, about closure and just, just kind of, you know, uh, kind of letting go? Is that what it's about? Or? Yeah. I mean, it's closure is such a funny word, isn't it? I don't think, um, a medium can ever fully bring like 100% closure. Right? right. But I think that we can prove that that bond of love never goes away and it's always there to tap into. Um, so it's not a fix for grief per se, but it does, um, help you realize that that connection will always be there. Hmm. Yeah. And so, I mean, you mentioned earlier about the, the weekly, uh, workshop that you do. Can you, is that helping people to, to do, uh, what you are doing in your private sessions or is it just general, I mean, just kind of just to, uh, unlock your intuition as a whole? It's a little bit of both. Um, I, te I teach two and I alternate weeks and there's one called Into the Mystic where we really look at the mysticism behind the intuitive self and um, even the medium mystic self. And uh, we do a lot of self-reflection with that, but we always, you know, we always read someone somehow, whether it's intuitively or, or mediumistically, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or in front of like a group setting. Over here we call them galleries, but I think in the UK it's called platform demonstrating. And, um, yeah, so it's, they always work in some capacity and then there's the depths of mediumship, which is all about, uh, a higher connection with spirit, uh, in, in the trance format, which is not for everyone. 
uh, but it is very interesting. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so when, I mean, when people start to incorporate this I mean, intuition, I mean, what does, I suppose it's, it's a, uh, sort of a, a, a de varying degrees of how, you know, strong your intuition is, but what does it look like to live intuitively and what kind of doors does it open that maybe you couldn't see before and weren't available to you before? Right. That's a good question. Um, I think it starts with, uh, you know, an intuitive life to me would, would be very, be, excuse me, would be uh, being very connected to yourself first. Uh, we like to kind of do this for other people. And there's this myth that we can't be intuitive for ourselves, uh, but it's about that trust, you know. Uh, so, so you learn to trust yourself. And by learning to trust yourself, it brings a lot more confidence into your, your decision-making process and, and kind of just trusting the natural flow of life. Uh, so I have found that you will, you will still have struggles. We are human and we learn through those struggles, uh, but they will not be as leveling, I think, um, for an individual once they em embrace, you know, the intuitive self, because we're all intuitive. Yeah. Um, and uh, doors that it has opened up, gosh, I think I just appreciate life more and I appreciate the connections that I have more. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just made me a, a less neurotic person. I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're connecting to something much bigger than yourself, I suppose that would be the natural, natural progression. But um, I <laughs> say that again. I said we would hope. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I suppose, you know, having that ability to, you know, tap into that intuition, it gives you more, kind of maybe breathing room more space when you're facing a life challenge whereas instead of you know immediately getting caught up in the drama and everything it gives you kind of more of a tool to be able to see see clearly and move forward would you say yeah absolutely um you know i think we there, there's a difference between reacting and responding and i think being um connected to the intuitive self makes it so that you respond to things uh, much more than you react to life, which those are two very different things that can have two very different impacts. Yeah. So. And how does it, would you say for you, it enables you to see the bigger picture of your own life maybe and be be more self-sufficient? Because, um, like, I mean, like typically a lot of people invest in a coach, which is obviously it's definitely a, a good thing. And I would, uh, you know, recommend that if you know you want to improve your life. But I suppose the more awakened you are, the more you are able to see your own patterns, because that's one of the, the biggest benefits of having a coach is they can see things that you can't. So I suppose when you develop your own intuition and awareness, you'd be you're able to, I suppose, become more self-sufficient. Yes. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, you know, I, I'm totally a believer that every therapist needs a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably needs a therapist or another medium. Uh, but for the most part, you, you navigate life in a way um, where you are no longer the victim or your victim mentality isn't held on to as strongly. Because, because we are human, uh, we have that ego that says, you did this to me and this is your fault. And it has definitely helped me 
uh, look inward and say, you know, what was your part in this and, and what could you have done differently? Uh, what, what of this do you need to own? Uh, so self-reflection is definitely, again, a, a big part of being intuitive and utilizing your intuition. Yeah, and I suppose even if you can't figure the answer out for yourself, what the actual problem is, just having that awareness of being able to say, you know, stop blaming on other people, that even if you can't figure the answer out yourself, it gives you that option to go and ask someone else who can help you. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> um, so, and obviously you've got the mediumship practice, and then you, could you just talk about, um, the work that you do with helping women to, you know, incorporate their spiritual gifts into improving their their daily lives and and their families and empowering women. What does uh, what does that work look like? It is a lot of listening. Um, I, I I find even as a, a mom myself, that's that's the number one thing that women come. They just want somebody to listen to them. I think sometimes. It, um, so, so after we've got that bit over with, we, um, we then move on to, uh, uh, some of what we've already talked about, just that self-reflection meditation is a huge aspect of, uh, not only my personal daily practice, but what I would recommend to anyone. Um, and, you know, having a regular schedule, whether that's, you know, three days a week or every day or whatever it is. Um, but it's breaking down those walls, those lies that we've, we've kind of, we've kind of made ourselves believe that we have to be, or, um, have to constantly be doing, um, or, uh, you know, that we have to be in, a, in an, uh, an eternal place of sacrifice. Um, and it kind of just empowers the work that I do with women is, is I, I would say, very empowering of owning yourself and, and, and owning your choices and creating boundaries within your life. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking like how, how that would like manifest in your daily life. I mean, I suppose it would build stronger connections with your family and your loved ones and maybe things like improve your, your routine and, you know, just gain more clarity, yeah. things like that. Yeah, and energetically. I mean, I think energetically, just having the energy, um, not having boundaries, and constantly um, sacrificing is is very draining and um, very frazzling. And it's one of those things where uh, you know, when I started doing these things for myself, uh, you know, first obviously before you practice with others, you want to practice with yourself. But um, whenever I started doing things it, it creating boundaries was huge you know creating that routine with my children and my partner to say you know I know that I have been available at 100% of the time but you know I need you to pack your own lunches today or I need you know I need yeah. you to clean <laughs> or that sort of thing creating those boundaries gives you energy and um it, there's something that we call mommy guilt here and I don't know if it's a universal term or not but it's uh it's one of those things where it helps you let go of that mommy guilt and it's not weighing you down and you become more of you, you know, the individual person, not just the mom or the partner or the sister, you know, or the daughter, you become you. Yeah. And that, that just infuses your life with energy. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. What, I mean, how do you think this kind of, I mean, it's, it's probably a yeah, pretty big widespread problem. Do you think it's just expectation that, 
of women what they are supposed to do in the household and just it just builds up too much just too much pressure and expectation do you think yeah i mean it's funny because um i just had this conversation with somebody the other day where uh, if you look at even if you go back to as early as you know the 1950s we created this very uh definite portrait of what the family should look like mm -hmm. and uh without without regard to the realism of it and so instead of having you know in american culture it's mom stays home you have 2.5 kids you sacrifice the rest of your life and you're happy about it and don't get me wrong having children and 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 uh being a mother is beautiful but not at the loss of yourself because those children will grow up and they'll move away and then you'll be left going okay who was i yeah. and uh you know, it's, I, I think we just developed this uh, unrealistic idea of what the family should look like. Because you know what? Men have these pressures too. And uh, uh, gender, I think, it, I think it comes down to gender roles and, and unrealistic viewpoints, basically. So Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because you mentioned there about when the children are gone, you know, who am I? And I've heard of, you know, women who've had that that problem and all the children have gone off and flown the nest and they just feel completely lost. And I think for the for men, the, that parallel issue is when they put everything into just, you know, making money and hustling and a career. And then when they get to retirement and it's over, they just feel completely lost and they have no real meaning. And it's like, what do I do now? Right, right. Like I just sit here in this chair for the rest of my life. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's like, well, yeah. It's. I just I think it's important to teach our children that uh, a sense of self, no matter what role you have at any phase in your life, is what's important. You know. Yeah, and I think the great thing about the work that you're doing is it has a knock-on effect. It's not just the women that you're impacting, but it will also, you know, impact future generations when they pass on that new kind of energy to uh, to the uh, younger ones, to the kids in their family. Right, right. That's my hope. You know, I'm not. I don't think I've stopped to think about that, but that would be my hope. Yeah, because I think that's. I mean, that's the a big part of. I mean, it's not the only way it's going to happen, but certainly improving, you know, child rearing and you know, teaching children, you know, really positive core values from a young age is really a, a big w way to make an impact in the, in the future of humanity. Because you know, when the, when the next generation comes up with more positive values, it's just going to create a, a ripple effect and a better future over and over again. Yeah. I mean, I think it was, uh, I'm going to botch the quote, but I think it was Mother Teresa who said, you know, if you want to change the world, go home to your family. <laughs> but, you know, it couldn't be more true, you know? Yeah, so. that's cool. And, um, yeah, I think, I mean, you mentioned uh, about the, uh, you know, women finding more meaning and isn't moving away from that um that traditional kind of 1950s thing a view of what a family should look like and I think um the way I see it anyway is that the the masculine feminine balance of the of humanity is changing as we go forward and I think um as as we go forward I think you're going to see a lot more women you know moving away from that traditional 
view and stepping into their power more and men becoming moving away from that you know greed and hustle approach and becoming more balanced and I think uh, I mean is that the way you see things that helping women step into their power more oh yeah oh yeah for sure and it's not um it's not I I say things and, and I think what's important is you know to, to kind of side note is that um, men men have value, and I know that sometimes, particularly in my area, when these when these types of conversations start, it becomes a you're a feminist conversation. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I kind of am, but I'm not a man hater. So like, there's you know you know those are two different things. But um, yeah, I do feel like women are going to step back up um, to holding an important role in the dynamic of humanity and not just to nurture, but to be warriors and to fight for what is right and, and protect. And um, my hope is that, um, you know, I, I think we're going to go through a period where we, we do have to fight for that. But then my hope is that it will be a natural way of life where um, things are a little, uh, a little easier for us as a whole. Mm -hmm, yeah, I mean, that's the way I see things going, just more, more balance coming. So yes, yeah, good good sign <laughs> so how do um things look for you like from routine and business standpoint and balancing family because it really sounds like that you are living your mission and you are you know you're passing on to everyone what things that you're actually really doing in your own life yeah um so i i like to throw the word balance out the door because <laughs> <laughs> you know it's one of those things where, uh, I don't know, balance is messy. And, and I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but it is. It's just messy. And um, I just feel like this means enough to me that um, if I have to be up at 1130 recording, you know, at night recording lectures while the children are asleep, then that's what that looks like for me. And um, it's it's just, for me, it's, it's teaching people that, you can't fit everything in a nine to five format, particularly if you are a spiritual entrepreneur or a business, you know, driven person, you create your own hours. And if that's 1130 or midnight, then that's what that looks like. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, you've got to go with the ebbs and flow of, of life and, and uh, um, have respect and honor where you're at. Uh, but I'm, I'm still learning as well. And, and, uh, you know, I imagine I always will be. <laughs> yeah. And when did you make the transition into actually, you know, starting your own business and your own practice? What uh, what did that look like? Um. So I would have been, let's see, I think I would have been 24 mm -hmm. uh, whenever I decided I was going to go out and professionally put myself out there. So that's what the website um, was created and I made the mistake of, of letting someone else kind of create my brand. Uh, so I did some rebranding as I grew, but, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I went from reading on, you know, I don't know if you remember MySpace. I'm sure you yeah. do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, reading on MySpace, doing free readings to the evolution of that was to read in a local shop for, I think it was, uh, $15 an hour. And then, um, as I became more confident and my, my sessions held more accuracy, uh, things began to change into more of a professional practice for me. 
which would have been probably, so I started, really started at 24 charging. I probably would have been at like 28, but I was completely confident in being a professional, uh, putting myself out there as a professional. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, so that, that's kind of the evolution of it. Yeah. So it's a, a gradual process. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Cool. As it should be. Yeah. <laughs> so um, how did you, uh, I mean, for people who like, because you, you had a child that was at quite a young age, was it 19, you said? Yeah, I got married when I was 19 okay. and we had our child when I was 21. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you managed to build yourself a business, you know, while having a child and all that and a family and all that kind of stuff. I mean, what would you say to people who are, to women who think, who feel maybe that they're stuck and blocked because they have, you know, they think, they perceive that they have too much uh, commitment otherwise, but you've managed to make it work. So what would you, uh, what would you say to people like who were wondering about that? Yeah, I would cut the commitments that don't mean anything to you. I think that's the first thing that I did. I mean, you really have to prioritize you know, if you want something bad enough, it becomes a priority. And uh, my mediumship became, uh, for lack of better ter terminology, another child for me. And so I nurtured it and I um, nurtured myself through it and with it. And, um, you know, the mind is a powerful thing. And if we think that we can't do it, we won't. And you've got to change your mind and cut your commitments first and uh, focus on where you want to go with it. But you also can't force it, I think, with, with mediumship or the intuition. It has its natural uh, unfoldment. And so um, with as much work as I put in, uh, I'm lucky. I'm, I'm one of the, I think, one of the lucky young ones that um, found out very early that, that I had this gift. And then it became a passion, which I know is not always the case. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting you mentioned about the unfolding because I think it's kind of just accepting what your gifts are at any one time and, you know, just doing the best that you that you can to serve people with them. And then if you put in the work like you did and stick with it, eventually it'll all you know, begin to unfold into a, a way that you can really add value to people's lives and make, make a living from it. Right, right. And it took a long time for me to be able to uh, to pay the bills with what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, especially having gone through a divorce, you know, in my mid-20s, that'll, that'll level you for sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't go any faster than I was going. I was unfolding rapidly. But um, I think something that should be considered as well is, is you, never, you never stop, you never reach the summit and um, it, it's a lifelong thing. So you've got to be in it for the long haul uh, and, and realize that you will get better with, with each year that goes by. And so taking that pressure off of yourself is very important. Yeah, I was just going to start working to my mind pressure as well. It's, when you look at it kind of, yeah, in the bigger picture, it's kind of an immediate relief. Like, oh, I don't have to, don't have to <laughs> rush. I can take a breath and just do the best that I can today. Yeah, exactly, because it's not going to go any further <laughs> than it's going to go. So there's not a whole lot you can do to force uh, your unfoldment. And I have found that when you do, it becomes very, your life becomes very messy and ungrounded. So Yeah, I suppose it's, yeah, it's just accepting where you are and getting into 
when you do that, you kind of align with your circumstances. You get into more of a flow and life just just naturally yeah. begin to come more enjoyable. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what are your plans? I mean, do you have, obviously, you are allowing things to unfold um, as they do, but do you have, like, plans or visions for the future where you like to see things go or are you just taking it like month by month? Um, I think I'm doing a bit of both. Um, I, you know, I, I think I would love to be uh, midlife and have some sort of school uh, for the intuitive arts, um, you know, where people can come and, and not necessarily get certified, but just take classes and have good tutors and, and, and things like that, much like, you know, the UK has. Um, they, have, they have more than one now, but um, uh, we need something like that here. And um, uh, so, so that's a goal that I have, is to have a school. But um, uh, I just want to do well, you know. <laughs> I just want to do well. And whatever, whatever that looks like, uh, I'm appreciative of and, and I'm grateful for so yeah and that'd be really cool because I think now obviously it's going to take time but I think that kind of like the school thing would, would be good to kind of start building this you know intuition into more of a of a mainstream thing rather than it being uh, you know kind of esoteric and and a bit out there right right I mean and, and it's uh Oh, it's just such an innate part of everyone that I think it would do, it would do a great service to be able to teach that aspect. You know, we teach hygiene, but we but we fail to find some way to uh, to learn other things that that are important with intuitive arts. So yeah, yeah. Well, I wish you uh, the best of luck with that because it's uh, definitely something the world needs right now. Um, so there's a question that I like to ask all my guests in my interviews and that is what would be your best advice on how people can contribute to the rise of humanity oh yeah just come from a place of love and understanding it's very simple and we like to complicate it I think but uh, um, just yeah just be love yeah we love everyone. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Straight to the point. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, so, could you uh, share with the listeners where they can find out more about you, or find you on social media, or your website, things like that? Yeah. So, um, my website is brandychrisman.com, uh, and I am on Facebook under that same name, Brandy Christman. And I'm on Instagram where you can see lots of pictures of my life and um, uh, also Brandy Christman there. So it's pretty, pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Awesome. Uh, and I have a class uh, that's starting January 1st for anyone that might be interested. So Awesome. Yeah, and I'll um, put your the link to your website in the show notes as well so people can and your social media so people can check that out it's been a uh, pleasure to have you on the show today thank you for coming on and sharing um the work you are doing and sharing a bit about your story and how you're contributing to the world uh, it's much appreciated so thank you for coming on today brandy yeah thank you for having me and thank you for having the show i think it's pretty cool <laughs> so. cheers thank you appreciate that
so that is all for today, guys. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and gotten some takeaways from what we've talked about and from Brandy's work and her story. I will I'm sure to uh, stick the link to her website in the show notes so you can check that out as well. So thank you all so much for listening. I'll catch you all next time. Take care. Bye-bye.